You know, there are, there are over 7 billion people in the world today. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, as I was preparing for this message, I, I, went, on, I went online and, and found, a, uh, found a website that, that kind of keeps up with the approximate, approximations as far as uh, the populations here and there and different trends and all that. And, uh, and it's, it showed that, uh, that, there, that today there's approximately 7 billion 730 million people in the world. Over half of them, that uh, 55.7% of them live in urban areas. They live in cities like Pasadena. Over half of the population of the world lives in large cities. And and that's 4.3 billion people living in the cities of, of the world around us. By 2030, it's projected that the population will be over 8.5 billion. So in just a little over 10 years, it's going to grow uh, by almost a billion people. And at that time, uh, at that time, over 60% will be living in the urban areas, living in the big cities uh, of, of our world. Now, when we think about that, and we realize that Jesus told the church, Go ye, therefore, and, pre- and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And when he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that's, that's seven and a half, over seven and a half billion people. And in just a few years, 8 billion people that are, that are going to need to hear that Jesus Christ is and He is the answer to their, to their greatest need. 8.5 billion people in the world around us. Now that's, that's astounding. Those numbers are incredible. But I'm thankful that while those numbers are incredible, they are not impossible. See, God wouldn't tell us to do something that He doesn't equip us to do. He wouldn't, com- he wouldn't give us a command that He didn't enable us to fulfill. And I'm glad that God does uh, enable us to fulfill His command. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That means Jesus has all power. That means there's nothing beyond His, his power. There's nothing outside of, of His ability to do something about it. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But then he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That uh, that phrase could be uh, be, uh, said in today's language. We could say, make disciples of all nations. And I'm grateful that God wants us to go and to teach all nations. What does he want us to teach them? He wants us to teach them uh, that there is a God. He wants us to teach them that God is good. He wants us to teach them that they are sinners and that they, because of their sin, they are condemned. They are separated from God and they are on their way to hell. But God wants us to teach them that there is a Savior who loves him so much. He gave himself to deliver them from their sin to deliver them from that fate of of eternity separated from God in in hell and then the lake of fire. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And that's what what He wants us to teach them. That's the message He wants us to preach. But to eight and a half billion people, that's that's just too many. 
some may say. But you know, it is possible to get the message of Jesus Christ to the world. It is possible for us to take His message to the whole world. You know, Coca-Cola has only been around for, what, a little over 100 years? And they're already in nearly every nation, if not every nation on earth. The gospel, we've, the church has had the gospel for 2,000 years and there's no excuse for some to have never heard. But some have never heard. And it's our fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying it's the fault of the church. I'm not saying it's Crosspoint's fault. I'm saying it's the fault of every believer that, that, that has trusted Jesus. Every, every person that's trusted Jesus as their Savior. We are responsible for that. See, when Jesus gave the, gave the Great Commission, He gave it to the church there on that day, right before He ascended back to heaven. He stood there and He gave them the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He told them what to do. He told them how to do it. And, and uh, He gave that command to the church. And, and as in individual members of the church, we are responsible for getting the gospel. We're responsible for getting uh, the whole word to the whole world. We are responsible. So let me ask you, what are you doing to obey the Great Commission? What are you doing? If you say, well, I give to the church, that's not enough. Because Jesus didn't say, go to church and give money so somebody can take the message of the gospel. He said for the church to go. That means you need to be going to somebody. That doesn't mean that you need to be making plans to go to every country on earth. Now, we, we can participate in the evangelizing of the world by giving money to missions so, so, that, so that missionaries can go around the world. But how hypocritical is it for us to pay somebody to go evangelize on the other side of the world while we sit at home here in Pasadena or the surrounding cities and we do nothing to share the gospel with people? We're at fault. Truth has fallen in the streets. We've, been, we've become so consumed with our devices that we're not, we're not concerned with the souls of men and women around us. We are at fault. We, every little buzz of, our, of these little devices, every little ding, every little notification, it draws our attention. And we, we have to find out if, oh, somebody liked my post. Or, well, goodness, somebody's, somebody's speeding away from the police. Imagine that, somebody running from the police in L.A. It's not news. It's just repeat of old news. Yeah, somebody else is doing it. But why does that consume us? Why are we so controlled by these and so freed from this? 
we, the, the Bible tells us, blessed is the man, Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's a, a, psychologists have done studies and have proven that, that the more consumed someone is with one of these devices, the, more, the greater tendency you will have to struggle with depression. Yet, if you get in this book, you're blessed. But his delight, the blessed man's delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I tell you, as, as you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and as he does his work in your life, you will find joy. And it's not just a little bit of joy. The Bible says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. You'll be, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what we find in a close walk with Jesus Christ. Yes, circumstances are going to go awry. The situations of our life are not going to be pleasant. But when our foundation is Jesus Christ, when He is our anchor, and when He is the anchor of your soul, you don't have to worry about what's going on around you because Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I'm glad that Jesus has the power and Jesus has told us how that we can do what he's told us to do. The harvest is great. You know, I've told you this before, but do you know if uh, some of you, some of you, you may be new or, or you might not remember me saying this, so I want to share it with you again. If one person took time to win one person to Jesus Christ and then invested in that one person to disciple them for six months and to teach them to do the same. Then those two people took, uh, took time to invest in somebody else and to win them and disciple them for six months. And you continue that cycle every six months. You're just doubling that number every six months. Everybody, uh, everybody just one at a time, reaching one person at a time and discipling them for six months. If, if, if you do that, then in fewer than 10 years, you would have reached and discipled over a million people, starting with one, reaching one. But you may say, a million, that's amazing. That is awesome. But a million is a far cry from 7.73 billion. Yeah, it is. And in 10 years, that number will be 8.5 billion. So a million is a far cry from that. But when you look in the book of Acts, at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and empowered them to do what God told us to do, there were 120. Now, I believe that around the world, somewhere, there are, there are, it may be an individual here, an individual there. It may be a, a group of a few here or there. But I believe that around the world, somewhere, there are 120 people who desire to do God's will. I, I believe that. I don't know about you, but I believe that. 
And if 120 people decided, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part to, to follow and to fulfill the Great Commission, I'm going to reach one person for Jesus Christ and disciple them for six months. If 120 people around the world did that, now think about this. In 13 years, now I know that's more than, that's more than, than uh, 10 But in 13 years, starting with 120, we could see saved, that is if everybody got saved that we witnessed to and, and, and were discipled, we could see saved and discipled 8 billion, 53 million, 63,680 people. That shows us that the harvest is doable. That doesn't, say, that, doesn't, that doesn't say that each one of us needs to be like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I've got to win everybody to Jesus Christ and think that we've got to go out and win 100 to, uh, tomorrow. Now, if you were to go and win 100 people to Jesus tomorrow, hallelujah. But it's one at a time. Do you think that there's one person in your life that needs Jesus? Do you think that if you spent some time praying for that one person and investing in that one person, that that you can see that one person born again? Now, you you may need, I'll be honest, you may need to invest in in a few people to kind of have a little pipeline of of people going there, you know, to, to see somebody saved on a regular basis. But you'll see nobody saved if we're not doing what God has called us to do. If we're not being a witness for Jesus Christ, we will see nobody saved. But if you'll go out and you will witness, if you will pray and ask God to to help you to be a a shining light, a testimony to the world around you, and to to be a witness to those friends and family and neighbors that surround you, if you will pray that God will use you and that God will work in their hearts, I just believe that the God in heaven who knows all is working in somebody's heart and is working to draw them to Himself. And if He has a willing subject who's willing to go and share the gospel, with somebody, I believe a loving God who's not willing that any should perish will make sure that the witness will go to the one in need of salvation and help their paths to cross. I just believe that. But in that moment when the paths cross, the witness is going to need to be obedient to give the word. Again, the responsibility is on you. The responsibility is on me. Now, we don't have 120 here this morning. But what if every one of us said, here am I, send me. I'll do it. The harvest is great. Now, in 13 years, I said 8 billion, 8 8 billion, 53 million and some odd people could be saved and baptized, uh, saved and discipled. At that point in 13 years, the population of the earth will be 8.623 billion. Now that's a little over, over half a billion people that would not yet be reached. But at that rate, we'd see most of them saved. We'd see many of them saved. Now the reality is, 
Jesus said, broad is the, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. If many there be which go in thereat. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. But I want to see how many that few can be. I don't want to be responsible for neglecting to be a witness to those around us that Jesus has called us to reach. See, the church is not called to just gather together. In the book of Acts, we see Jesus commanded the church. We see the Holy Spirit empowered the church. We see the church continue to gather together. And many people in Jerusalem were reached till the, till the, uh, the, uh, the membership of that, of that church in Jerusalem was numbering in the, in the, in the thousands. But they were staying right there in Jerusalem. But Jesus had said, go into all the world. And because they weren't doing what God told them to do, he brought persecution along. He allowed persecution to come upon them. And it scattered them throughout the region around there. Now, I don't want to see persecution come on the church. However, it's, the church has always thrived during times of persecution. And I want, to, I want to encourage you. Hey, we live in a land of freedom. There's, I, I, don't, I don't believe any country of the world, any people at any point in, in time uh, in the history of the church has ever experienced the kind of freedom we have today to share the gospel uh, with anyone and everyone. And although, although the Supreme Court has ruled that, we, that, they can't, that the schools can't, uh, can't teach the Bible and things like that, we can still go as, as the church, we can go into the schools and teach the Bible to students whose parents will give them permission to come. We can still go into the schools. We can still go into the highways and hedges. We can go to the streets. We can go to the, uh, to the, uh, the rescue missions. We can go here and there and we can take the message of Jesus Christ to the college campuses. We can go. We can go across the street. We can go to the parks. We can go to the gas stations. We can go to the stores. We can go wherever we want and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. The message, the question is, will you do it? It is inconvenient. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some time. But God has called us to do it. And the only option is obedience or disobedience. Which will you choose to be? And it's because of that inconvenience. It's because... We like the fact that Jesus has forgiven us our sins and has given us freedom in Christ. And we like our convenience. We like our pleasure. It's because of that that we choose not to obey. But I'll tell you, Galatians says, brethren, use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. The harvest is great. 
But secondly, the laborers are few. Jesus is telling 70 men that he's sending out in teams of two that are added to the 12 that he's already sent out in teams of two. So 12 and 70, 82 people. He sent them out in teams of two. That's, that's 41 teams going around preaching the gospel. And he told them, the laborers are few. I would love to have 82 people that are going around in teams of two to, to Pasadena, to Altadena, to Alhambra, to Arcadia, uh, to San Marino and Sierra Madre. I, I'd, I'd love to have 82 people in teams of two going around and sharing the gospel with people around the world. Hey, it would be amazing. But we don't have 82. But will we have 20? Are there 20 people that are willing to say, hey, I'll go. I'll go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll partner up with somebody and go, uh, through, go to these neighborhoods or I'll go uh, to this place and I'll share Jesus. I'll go and minister to those who are, who are homeless or whatever. I'll go and share Jesus' love. Just teams of two. Uh, are there 20? Laborers are few. Jesus knew that the solution to the great harvest, the, the need of the harvest, was to train individuals to go into the world. And so Jesus selected, he hand-selected these 12, knowing that one of them, as he, as he later said, one of them was a devil from the beginning, because in his plan, uh, Judas would betray him and, and he'd be crucified. But Jesus hand-selected these men and he sent them out. And, and, but, but in those three and a half years that he spent with them, he invested his life. He poured his life into 12 men. Now I'll tell you I've I've not I've not I've probably not done as as well as I could and well, as well as I should but my desire is to pour my life into 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 you men I want to pour my life into as many of you men as will as will give me that opportunity because I want to teach you uh, what I what God has taught me I want to lead you I want to train you so that you are going and you're being the witness that God has called you to be and I know Mackenzie has poured herself into several of you ladies and our desire is for you to take up the torch and to go and shine the light of Jesus Christ to the world around us and to reach this city for Jesus Christ. Because that's what God has called us to do. He didn't call us to go and find members for a church. He called us to go and make disciples. He's the one building His church. Disciples are committed followers. Paul told Timothy, his young protege, he said, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, it's my desire to pour myself into you and, and, and for you to pour yourself into someone else and to teach them to pour themselves into someone else because Jesus poured himself into those 12 and they poured themselves into others and they poured themselves into others down through time till today we have the message of Jesus Christ because somebody chose to be obedient. Somebody chose to be a committed follower. Somebody chose to be more than just a casual member. But I am going to be all in, they said. 
And they were willing to pay the price, whether it was persecution, whether it was suffering physically, whether it was having to, having to travel and to flee from city to city to city because the authorities were after them to put them in prison for disobeying the law of the land when the law said, you cannot preach in this name. And they said, we've got to do what God says more than what man says. We ought to obey God rather than men. And Jesus said, go. Hey, this, this, this commission, this great commission that He's given us, He gave it to soldiers of the cross. He gave it to the church of the living God. And He tells us in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, as Paul told Timothy, this message comes to us as well. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm currently reading a book entitled Faith for Exiles. And it's, it helps us to understand the, the condition of our society around us. And, and as believers in this digital age, uh, we are, uh, we are, he, he, in this book, he likens us to exiles, to the, uh, to those of, of, of Israel and Judah who were exiled in Babylon. Our world is so conditioned and so controlled, once again, by devices and by uh, social media and this and that, that people are not open to receiving a message. Just the other day, I, I went to, I went to, uh, to Colorado, uh, Colorado Boulevard there, uh, by the Chick-fil-A and the, and, uh, Pasadena City College. And, and I took a stack of, uh, of books that, uh, that share, that share that about creation, that God is real and all of that. And it took a stack of invitations in my hand and, and I would go down and I'd walk up the sidewalk and walk back down the other side. And, and as I, as I was walking, I would offer one of these to, uh, invitations to church, one of these booklets to people. And, and most of the people that I passed, they just turned their head and acted like I wasn't even there. I had one person receive the invitation and the booklet. One. One person that received it and even that was reluctant. I did get another one out because I went by a bus stop and I left one on the bench. People don't want to be bothered, but we're still called to go. Success is not, is not dependent upon how many people we reach. Success is dependent upon how many of us are obedient to Jesus Christ. If you want to succeed in the Christian life, obey God. And as you obey God, you are successful. In, in this book, Faith for Exiles, David Kinnaman and his co-author Mark Matlock, they touch on the increase of young adult church dropouts. And they said that it was, that, uh, it was 59% in 2011. It has increased to 64% in 2019. That's a 5% increase in just eight years. We're fighting a battle and many of many of those who are who are uh, growing up in church they're they're going awol they're they're throwing in the towel and and saying this life isn't for me now some of them they they never were saved they grew up knowing the lingo they knew they knew what to say and what to do they they knew how to how to make mama and daddy happy they knew how to make the preacher think that they are a good christian but in their heart it wasn't real and so they walk away with no desire to ever return 
Some of them are saved. They're just sick of seeing powerless religion that's led to hypocritical lives and pharisaical spirits. I pray that the, that the young people that are growing up here at Crosspoint will never see that in, in any of us because I pray that each of us will commit ourselves to not be a Pharisee, but will be a true follower of Jesus Christ. We have to team up with these young people and we need to really communicate with them. We need to stop talking at them and we need to talk to them. And really, we need to try listening to them. Hey, I'm preaching this to myself as much as to anybody. 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells us in verse 4, No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You've been called, you've been commissioned, you've been chosen to be a soldier of Jesus Christ, and you need to be a good soldier. The harvest is great. The labors are few. Hey, it's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to rise up and be the church that God has called us to be. It's time for us to go out passionately with a love for God, with a love for our fellow man, with a passion to see them trust Jesus as their Savior, with a passion to see them rescued from eternity in hell and go and take the message of Jesus Christ and teach all nations. We can't do it alone. We need help. And we need one another. We need to be working together. We need every member doing our part for the message to get out. But we can do all the things that the church is called to do as far as the works. But what we must realize is that we are human beings, not human doings. And the, the life that we live speaks far more than the deeds that we do. The, who we are is going to be seen more than what we do. And as people stand back and watch your life and they listen to what you're saying, is, is the testimony from your lips backed up by the walk that, that you are living? The life that you live, is it consistent? Are you living consistently set free by the Spirit of God? Are you living freed from sin? Are you living a life of victory? Are you living a life of joy and peace and love? Are you living a life growing in long-suffering and gentleness and goodness? Are you living that life? And you might say, no, I'm not. And so I guess I'm disqualified from being a witness for Jesus Christ. No, you're not disqualified. What you are is you are qualified to humble yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I've not done right thus far, but from this day forward, I ask you to do your work in me and work through me and use me as a testimony for you. And then get up and go out, surrender your life to Jesus day by day and go be that witness that he's called you to be. What we need is we need people who will surrender to Jesus. People who will not be dependent upon what they can do but people who will be dependent upon all that he is and what he is able to do. So Jesus said, the harvest is great. The labors are few. Pray. Church, it's time to pray. We've got to pray. 
How much time do you spend in prayer a week? And I'm, if, you, if you were to take, a, take away the time that you thank God for the food uh, before you eat a meal, I hope you do that. If you were to take away the time that you, uh, that you, you know, pray, Lord, please give us good rest tonight as we go to bed in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you, if you take away those, those things, like how much time are you really spending in prayer? God has told us that he's given us this, this access to himself, this powerful uh, resource of prayer. Are you utilizing it? I just preached a series of messages on prayer and, and we saw the power that there is in prayer and the, the, uh, the potential in prayer. And, and it's just incumbent upon us to just plug into the power of prayer. Would you take that uh, and, and, and personalize it? And, and would you make prayer a regular part of your life? Would you plug into the power of God and seek Him? Hey, and as you're praying, would you pray, therefore, the Lord, of the, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth labors into His harvest? Will you pray for somebody to go? Now, let me tell you, as you're praying, you need to realize that He might just tell you to go. He already has. When I was sitting in the, in the youth meeting in uh, September of 2014 over in, uh, over in Ackworth, Georgia at Harvest Baptist Church and I was listening to the evangelist uh, preaching and telling about the large number of cities out west that had a, had a, a great need for the gospel and, and uh, large populations and few, if any, Bible preaching churches. I went to the altar and I, I began to pray at that youth meeting, God, would you call some of these young people? God, would you call somebody to go and to plant a church? Would you call somebody to go and plant churches out west would you call somebody and he said okay go you may be the answer to your prayer but hey be the answer to your prayer God has called every one of us to be a witness God has called every one of us to be uh, to be a messenger for him he's told every one of us to go and to preach the gospel to every creature And you may respond to that call. You may say, yes, I'll go. I'll be a witness. I'll go tell somebody. But there's still a great need for more. So he said, pray. Pray for more. It's my desire, uh, and it's been, it's been our desire since we moved here to not just see Crosspoint planted, but to see men, uh, and men and ladies uh, grow up in this church and be discipled and grow up spiritually here and, and to be sent out to go and plant other churches around us. You know, in a five-mile radius, there's over 500,000 people. Over 500,000 people in a five-mile radius, and, and this one church cannot reach all of them. We need more. We need more. And I know there are other places around that are, that are Bible preaching, but they're few. They're far between. And some of them, while they preach the Bible in their churches, they're not going out and preaching it outside their walls. We need people who are going to be obedient to the gospel, uh, be obedient to the Great Commission, and to go. Now, I, um, I said earlier that 64% of young adults are dropping out of church, but you know what that means? That means 36% are not. Hallelujah. Amen. 36% are choosing to stay. And of that 36, some of them are, are saying, hey, I'm going to serve Jesus. I was thankful and so grateful to hear last week that three of the three of the children in our children's class trusted Jesus as their Savior. Praise God for that. 
Hey, I want to see those boys grow up and surrender their lives to Jesus for whatever He wants them to do and for, for them to follow Him. And whether it's to, whether it's to be a businessman or, or, or whatever that is, or to be a missionary or a preacher or whatever God calls them to do, I want to see them live for Jesus all the days of their life and be used as a witness for Him. But those boys need examples. They need examples. They need to see what a committed uh, follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Will you be a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, hey, I'm not even a believer. I've not trusted Jesus as my Savior. Hey, that's a great start right there. You've seen what Jesus has done. We've heard how Jesus loved us so much. He gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Hey, would you yield to Jesus? Would you trust him as your Lord and Savior today? He died for you. And he'll forgive you. Jesus said, therefore the Lord of the harvest, he said, therefore pray you the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. Many times we're nervous about going. Many times we're a little hesitant about going and sharing the gospel. But don't, don't worry, don't fear. Because Jesus has all power. You say, well, that sounds great, but what about, what about me going to be in the witness? Remember, you know, you mentioned earlier as we were singing that Jesus sent us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. But I mean, what about all that? He said, lo, I am with you always. The wolves are going to bite. The wolves are going to attack. As we go and live the life that Jesus has called us to live. But Jesus is with us always. We can do what he's called us to do because he's shown us how to do it. He has empowered us to do it. And he is accompanying us as we do it. And all he's told us to do is go tell them. Go teach them. He'll do the saving as they turn to him and trust him as their Lord and Savior. The harvest is great. The labors are few. But if you'll pray and if you'll obey, the harvest, 7.73 billion today, and in 10 years, 8.5 billion the harvest is doable. The question is, will you obey? Will you do what God has called us? Will you do what God has called you to do? Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for your word. I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to, to hear your word preached and to respond to you as you work in our lives. Lord, I want to, I want to be the first to, to come and kneel and, and say, here am I. Lord, use me however you'd see fit. Would you help us as a church family to humble ourselves before you and to obey your call to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Would you help us, Lord, to go and to do what you've called us to do. The harvest is great. The labors are few. Help us to pray.